Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. There is no other religion or belief or anyone that can claim that their God humbled himself to the point of becoming like the people that worship him to save them. God, your creator and author of the universe, came to earth so that you could approach him. This is the message of Christmas. Yes, we uh, know a lot about the other messages of Christmas, of Santa Claus and gifts and presents and time with family and all of those great things. But the miracle of Christmas, the gift of Christmas, is in the form of Jesus Christ, him Bridging the gap between us and God so that we can approach or excuse me, approach him. And so this is the best gift we could ever receive as a savior, meaning Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God is with us. Now, uh, I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at you this morning. Uh, Instead of having one passage, we're going to look at a little bit of a couple of them just to kind of piece this together. They're all within context and you'll be able to follow along really well. But this morning... We are going to switch our emphasis from the book of Revelation to the birth of Jesus Christ. We move from talking about his return to this world to his initial entrance as a child. You see, this world craves power, influence, and strength. We see that every day on the television and on our news feeds. And it's so ironic that God would wrap all of himself, all of his love, all of his power, and all of his glory into his son, an infant, and would send him into this world in such a strange and fragile way. Yes, it is a miracle. The Savior of the world was birthed by God, interceding with a teenage virgin whose husband would be the key to hundreds of years of prophecy being fulfilled regarding the Messiah who has come to save the world from itself, who has come to save you from yourself and to save me from myself. And it's truly mind-blowing when you think about it. The fact that God came down, there's a, a man named David Mathis, who's the executive editor of DesiringGod.org, and he writes this. He says, The real magic of Christmas is not gifts and goodies, New toys and familiar traditions, indoor warmth or outdoor snow. What lies at the very heart of Christmas and whispers even to the souls seeking to suppress this truth is the most stunning and significant fact in the history of the world. That God himself became one of us. The God who created our world and as humans at the apex of his creation came into the world as human, not for show but for our salvation. So the first thing that we see today is that God is with us. I'm going to show you the promise, and I'm going to show you the fulfillment. You can see the promise of God being with us in Isaiah 7, 14. And by the way, this is not the only verse, but this is one of the major go-to verses. It says in Isaiah 7, 14, and I put it on the screen there for you, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will receive or will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That is the promise. That's saying, hey, this is coming. I'm going to do this. And then we see the fulfillment. Matthew 1, 22 and 23. It says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message 
through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give a birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Christmas was not a, an accident. Christmas was not a, hey, just a touchy, warm, feely kind of great thing that we can celebrate once a year. This is a plan for your redemption. This is a plan for your salvation. This is a plan for us to be reunited with God again. And so when you think about God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. There's significance of God being with us. If you are with someone, for example, and you identify and you say, yes, I'm with that person. If I show up to a gathering and I'm with Donna, I am with Donna, right? So if we are Christians and we are with God, that is pretty amazing. I mean, you've got the most popular guest at the entire party. If you are with someone, there is dependence on that person. If you are with someone, there is a commitment to that person. Not only God committed to us, but us committed to them. And the scriptures do not say that God is hanging around in the world in our general vicinity. It says God is with us. And I have a, an illustration of that. I, I saw this especially during Thanksgiving. Uh, we have a homeowners association. If you've ever been a part of a homeowners association, that can be a blessing. And sometimes not so much. But the cool thing is, is that they try to keep the neighborhood, the property values up and whatnot. So I'm sure they had a fit about this. Right as you come out of the neighborhood, somebody had uh, some visitors come to their house. And they were there for Thanksgiving, but yet they didn't stay in the house because they had a huge pickup truck and an RV. Recreational vehicle. I'm not talking about a little pop-up. I'm talking about a big mama tow behind a pickup truck kind of, yes sir, kind of RV. And they took that thing and they parked it right on the side, a little bit in the yard and mostly in the road. And it stayed there all of Thanksgiving. Now, I don't have a big problem with that. I hope they enjoyed their time together. But the purpose of that illustration is this, is that when God is with us, he doesn't come stay outside in the yard in his own place. He dwells within us. He comes in the house. He is part of the family. He takes root. He is in the middle. He is in the middle of everything. And he is not a guest. He is a permanent resident in our lives. God is not somebody on the outside we keep at a distance that we compartmentalize and say, okay, I'm going to do this, but then God, when I want you, I'll go out to the trailer and talk with you. That's not what God with us is. God with us means he is always with us. And as we see that, when you and I look at the Christmas story, God did not, rev- God did not visit this earth through his son, Jesus Christ. He didn't just visit it. He dwelt among us and he walked among us. If you want a good illustration of that, you can look in Galatians chapter two, verse 20. And I put that on the screen for you as well. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to, I remember there was an illustration or there was a, a skit that the youth used to do. And it was about this kid that was getting ready for a party or a get-together. And it looked like his little brother or little sister was back there. And so the kid would comb his hair and then... The, the person behind him would imitate it and do all that. And everything that that person did, that little 
shadow would do behind them. And so finally they get to the party and they get ready to walk into the party. And uh, the initial person turns around and looks at that shadow and says, no, you can't come in here. And then nails them to the cross. We cannot do that. If we are believers, we cannot leave Jesus on the cross when we go do things that we know that we're not supposed to do. Because he lives in you. He dwells in you. When you go through good things and think about good things, he is with you. And when you go through bad things and think about bad things, he is with you. God did not send Jesus to earth to be a visitor that will say, stay a while and then leave. Jesus was and always will be the Savior of the world. He is not part of our world, folks. Our world is in his hands. The second thing that we see is that God came to us by humble means so that we may know how to approach them. He came to us in humble means so that you may, or we may know how to approach him. Now, just a little thing that I picked up from my father-in-law years ago uh, when he lived on this earth is that he taught us a new tradition in our home. Even though it's just Donna and I and the dog, we, we've been doing this for years. And in the morning, before we, you know, swap gifts and all that other Christmas stuff that we do, we read this passage. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And read it along with me, if you would. It says, At the time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, that is underlined, that is bold, that is important. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. Now, folks, Bethlehem was a no-name town. It was like one of those towns that didn't even have a government hardly. I mean, it was, they had, from the story, they had one inn and they had caves and farmers and shepherds. It was not a big deal to be from Bethlehem. And it said he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee and he took with him Mary to whom he was engaged who was now expecting a child. Let's take a break in that story just for a minute, just to say Joseph brought his pregnant fiance home to have their baby that was reported was not even his. That supposedly God caused this pregnancy. How do you think that family introduction went? That was probably strange, wasn't it? Strange to say the least. Stories and gossip circulated that his fiance claimed that God was the father. If someone did that today, somebody would probably be locked up. Joseph was planning to quietly walk away. It says that he's like, I'm just, I'm going to walk away from this. I don't, because if, if this gets out, she's probably going to get stoned and killed. Or, or we're, I mean, it, at best shunned from her family and from society. So I'm just going to quietly walk away. That way she doesn't have to be embarrassed. And maybe I can say some embarrassment. That was what he was thinking. He was planning to walk quietly away from the arrangement until, until an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And it says in Matthew 1, 20 and 21, I'll read it for you just so you can stay there at Luke or you can turn there. This is Joseph's side of the story. Matthew 1, 20 and 21 says, as he considered this, in other words, as he considered cutting line, 
leaving the lure in the water, leaving the fish in the water. Matter of fact, just throwing a whole pole in the water and just driving away. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. By him saying this, he is fulfilling many prophecies of the Old Testament. And the angel said, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Everybody gives a shout-out to Mary being the mother of Jesus. But my friends, Joseph needs a shout-out too. The man of faith that took a vision and took the word of God and, re- and did not worry about his reputation, but stood in the gap for Mary, for our Savior, and was the father to the baby God. Well, we pick back the story in Luke, verse 6, and it says, And while they were there, they, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So here we have the king of kings, the son of God. And now here he is, nestled in an animal trough in what was probably a cold, dark cave built for livestock. Where's the parade, folks? Where's the fanfare? Where's the ticker tape parade? Instead of politicians and celebrities and powerful people being present, there were livestock and shepherds and angels. What a humble way for God to enter this world. It says in verse 8 that that night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, again, I love that word, suddenly, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find him as a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Folks, approaching God apart from Jesus is impossible. Hang with me just for a second. If you've ever read in the Old Testament and and read about the sacrifices and the way they worshiped there, there, there was a big deal about worshiping God. You see, God is loving, but he is also holy and he is also perfect. He's not our homie. He's not somebody that's just like us. He is holy. He is set apart. And he is loving. And if we were to be in the presence of God, we would die instantly because our bodies are filled with sin and God cannot tolerate sin. In the Old Testament, the way they worshiped is only priests could enter into what they called the Holy of Holies. And they could only enter in there after they had done cleansing rituals and prayer and done all of these things to prepare them to be in the Lord's presence. And then these priests would intercede for your behalf. That's the way it was before Jesus. And God is so holy that if there were a, if there was a priest that kind of skipped a step or there was something in his life that he was not full disclosure with with God, 
If he wasn't perfectly clean by the time he went into the Holy of Holies, they would wear these big robes and they would tie bells to the bottom of the seam of the, of the robe. And then they would take a rope and they would attach it around the ankle of the priest. So when they heard the bells that stopped ringing for an extended period of time, they would pull out his carcass. Because he would be obliterated because of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man cannot coexist. This is the miracle of Christmas. This is why you can approach God. This is why when you get on your knees or you get on the altar or you're praying to God in your car or at your kitchen sink or wherever you're at. When you have the privilege of praying to God, Jesus is our high priest. He is the bridge. And without him, without this baby coming to this earth, we would be unable To approach God. Yes, Jesus is our high priest. It says in Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Here it is, verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Some translations you may be more familiar with where it says he was tried, tested, and tempted in every way and did not give in. There's a significance to that. The humbleness of a baby. God came in weakness so he could confuse those who were looking for power and were too proud to see him come to the earth in such a humble way. You see, God came to us by humble means. So would know how to approach him. We approach him humbly. And last but not least, our third main point is that Jesus is a real example of God's unfailing love and faithfulness for you. If you want to know that God is faithful this morning, if you want to know that God loves you, look no further than his word. Look no further than John 1 verses 14 through 18, where it says, So the Word, meaning Jesus, became flesh. There's a church word for that called incarnate. In other words, God became flesh. God became human. Jesus was a 100% human, just like you. He had DNA. He had body issues and all those kind of things that we have. He felt pain. He had a broken heart. He knew what it was like to be stabbed in the back. He knew what it was like to have a tough decision to make. He knew all of these things. He knew what it meant to grieve over a friend. He knew what it meant to be disappointed in other people. And he knew what it meant to love people that would not love him back. He was God incarnate. In other words, he, Jesus traded his heavenly garments and his heavenly throne to put on this suit of flesh so that he could exist in this earth and live a life that would model to us how to relate to his father. And it says, and he made his home among us and he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Some translations say full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. 
And so we see again, verse 17, for the law given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. He has revealed God to us. When you read that passage with the backdrop of Bethlehem, it takes on a greater meaning, doesn't it? I mean, think about it. Jesus came to this earth to die for you and your sins. That is the message of Christ. God is with us. And it takes faith to believe that. Ron Dunn said that faith is not means of getting man's will done in heaven. It is the means of getting God's will done on earth. And check this out. Faith does not put God at our beck and call. Rather, it puts us at his. So in closing, I would say, Emmanuel, God is with us. And we praise him for that. God is with you in this economy. We have not had a, a official, an official winner of the election yet. Now, I'm not going to get into all that election stuff. But I'm going to tell you this. No matter what happens, God is with us. God is with you in this culture. God is with you in this crisis. God is with you in the good times. God is with you in future trials. So don't get in with your little circle of friends and talk about how bad this world is and how it's going to hell and we have no hope. God is with us. Can I get an amen on that? Let's live like it. Let's trust Him. Let's pray to Him. And let's show the world the strength that they don't know they even have. God dwells among us. And God is with you even if you ignore Him. So take heart today, for God is with you. Non-believer, God is with you in the form of Jesus. You just must accept Him. You must know Him today. Admit that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus is God's Son and confess your sins to God and turn from them. Then you will know the true gift of Christmas, which is Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for our time today. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. The fact that He left His throne and left His glory to walk among this earth, to be an example to us, to experience what we experience, and to encourage us and to die for us so that we may approach you and eventually come back to bring us unto yourself. What a great gift of Christmas. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Your faithfulness and your love. So if there's one person here today that does not know you as their Savior and Lord Jesus, may they not leave today. May they not log off today before they know for sure that they have accepted the best Christmas gift ever given, and that is your son. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for those that are here, and may you work in those that hear this message through your Holy Spirit. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.